Black lives matter. They've always mattered. We love hosting this podcast, but this is our time to listen, not talk. On this episode, Adventure Nannies On Air is featuring Black leaders from the nanny community and other industries. Today's episode is facilitated by Daniel Sadler, our communications director. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we did. Welcome to Adventure Nannies On Air. My name is Danielle Sadler. I'm the Director of Communications here at Adventure Nannies, and it is my pleasure to introduce you today to some incredible parent educators. Today we have the honor to be speaking with Mr. Chaz and Nanny Kim on the go. And I'd like to tell you a little bit about each of these people uh, before we get started. So Mr. Chaz's mission in life is to help people enjoy the process of becoming the best version of themselves. He is an educational specialist for a chain of private schools where he works with nine different schools. He has a master's degree in executive leadership. He has over 50,000 followers on TikTok and is the CEO of Making the World a Better Place. He is a featured creator on Get Vocal, where he does an interactive podcast every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm also so excited to welcome to the podcast today, Nanny Kim on the Go. I'd love to tell you a bit more about Nanny Kim on the Go. So for the first 25 years, Kim has supported parents by supervising, nurturing, guiding, and inspiring their children as a career nanny. She is a single mother of a toddler daughter and state-licensed foster mother. She also serves as the Director of Family Services for the U.S. Nanny Association and as the president for the newly started Nanny Sitter Education Fund. With experience caring for minors ranging from infancy to teenagers, her specialty is being able to go into a home and bring order and organization. Kim has worked both as live-in and live-out nanny, travel nanny, newborn care specialist, special need provider, nanny of multiples, and nanny trainer and mentor. Her mantra is, it takes a village to raise a child, and I'm a village leader. Her career as a nanny began in 1996, and she later obtained a professional advanced nanny certification in 2009 from Alexandria School for Nannies. Diversity is a strength developed while working with children and families with unique circumstances. Known as Nanny Kim on the Go, she has learned to empower parents and children alike, helping to sharpen their communication skills and pinpoint challenging areas to be transformed by experience and wisdom. Working with well-established placement agencies and using her professional background in human resources, finances, and administration, Kim's clientele has included high-profile families like members of the Saudi Royals, as well as private families all over the United States. She's the owner of Nanny Kim on the Go, a parent consulting agency based in northern New Jersey, offering supportive services to parents, foster care providers, the hiring process of nannies for private families, helping with behavioral issues in children, and the positive building between nannies and their work families. So having said all of that, it is my honor to introduce our listeners to Mr. Chaz and Nanny Kim on the Go. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having us. Yes. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Chaz is all nice and calm. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an honor to be here. I'm I'm super excited and um I'm just so happy that we get to share with your listeners and actually get to talk about what we love. We both have a passion for children and you know, as you can tell and we um have made our lives, our careers around children and, and now we do a lot of parenting and consulting 
And so to be on here and be able to talk to the listeners, to the nannies, to the parents is really cool. Yes, yes. So someone uh, lead us in. What are we going to be talking about today, guys? <laughs> so let's get into it. We're going we're gonna to tackle this subject about shaping a culturally sound and competent child. If you're wondering what that is, it pretty much is being able to have, have your kids understand different cultures, have them not, not only just understand them and understand what it is and what a culture is and what, you know, differences are, but to be able to actually thrive in the, in the middle of culture change and culture shock and to not have, have biases pretty much to raise kids that are unbiased. So that's what I look at it as. I don't know, you know, Chaz, Chaz has a lot of thoughts on the, on this as well. I know we've talked about it before and um, it's always a great conversation. So, you know, how about you tackle from your area of expertise, how you, how you feel about it, like what your, yeah. what your definition of it is, because sometimes I hear people say different things about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I would, I would, I would agree with your definition. The only thing I would probably adjust is, you know, I don't think that the goal is, you know, for us not to have biases, because I think we all have biases to some extent. I, I, the problem becomes when our biases are, you know, when, when we're, when they're uninformed and they're negative and they control or influence our actions in ways that we're unaware of. Right. And so, yeah. you know, I, I think that, I think it's more about being aware of our biases because, you know, everyone, like I said, everyone has biases and, it, and it's a defense mechanism that we have, you know, and someone, I made a video about it and someone mentioned that I, I think I was saying something about like, you know, biases are what, that's why a person will lock the door when they see a, a black person come by. And then someone commented and said, you know, well, you know, as a female, I lock the door anytime I see any male, you know, come by, you know, it's a defense mechanism. And it's just about being, you know, I think it's more about being aware of your own biases so you can account for them and they're not influencing you to, you know, have negative actions or, or yeah. thoughts around people that you're not even aware of. Because that's where you get into situations where we believe, because on the surface, the thing about biases and implicit biases is that we believe it's subconscious. So you can believe in equal rights. And I think that, you know, people of color are great and I love people of color and everyone should be equal, but then still be fearful of people of color or think that they're more aggressive or that they're going to, or that they're guilty if you're in a jury. Right. So I think it's, and I think, and, and a big part of it too, and, and I'll get into a little bit of this, maybe a little bit more later, but a, in terms of, you know, black people specifically, you know, a lot of the biases around black people were created intentionally because in a capitalist society, they want it, you know, free labor. And so they had to, so they wanted to enslave black people, but everyone knows enslaving people is wrong. So what did they do? They told everyone through media that black people weren't actually people, that they were savages and they were less than people. And then we had to bring them over here to save them. And we were doing them a favor by enslaving them. Fast forward, 
slavery, enslaving black people, no longer cool. So they changed the law to say that, you know, slavery is outlawed unless it's um, a form of punishment. So what do they do? Okay, instead of instead of calling them savages, now let's call, you know, them criminals. And then black people are overrepresented as criminals and as uh, aggressive in media yep. and which gives people reason to support locking black people up and then now still enslaved in the prison industrial complex. Now I say all that to say, not necessarily to talk about modern day slavery, but I say it to say it was, there were racism and biases mm-hmm. created for that purpose. And even as we are trying to undo some of those systems right now, those biases have, are still ingrained into people's minds that have been ingrained for generations, for centuries and centuries. So, um, and like I said, it's something subconscious. So now how do we, you know, grow the next generation of humans and biases don't, biases aren't just with, you know, black people or people of color. It's with gender, it's with sexual identity, it's with it's, everything. Yeah. It's everything. Uh, it's everything. Completely. Right. I, yeah. I completely so, agree. The question uh, becomes, and then in, you can take it from here, Kim. Um, the question becomes, how do we, knowing that biases are real and, you know, there's some negative biases that are more impactful than others, um, how do we help children be aware of biases or, or be aware of culture and of people so that those biases that have been, you know, ingrained into society don't, you know, infiltrate their subconscious as much because they actually know people of color. They actually know people or actually understand other than just what the media has is projecting and constantly projecting because that has been the form of how biases have been in racism has been spread for centuries. So it's when when people and children have their own understanding of actual people and not just media, what media is projecting, then there's, you know, they're able to make more informed decisions. They're not being run by their subconscious. So what are your thoughts on that, Kim? And how do we actually, you know, start to do that? Yeah, um, I think everything that you said is amazing. And I think even the example that you gave, and I can think of like several other things. Like I know I was driving the other day and someone cut me off and she happened to be Asian. And in my head, I'm like, oh, it's true. There's that saying, Asians can't drive. You know, like it's it's, it's everything that we have grown up on has come from someone's personal thought, whether it's true or not. And Mm. In that moment, you know, I was in the car, my two-year-old is in the car, and I realized just that quick, if I say what I thought out loud, that becomes mm. the bias that my child learns at mm. two. And, um, yeah. and so I think that there's two things that we have to do, which is what, one that you already said, is we have to be aware of our own biases. And when we're aware, we have a decision to make of whether we're going to pass our biases on or whether we're going to obliterate them and keep them to ourselves. That is our responsibility, um, especially as parents and caretakers. It is not a nanny's responsibility or the teacher in school's responsibility to pass on their personal biases. Mm-hmm. And so 
I think that we have to really be careful when we're realizing what our biases are and what we're going to do about them going forward. I think that's one when it comes to children because they're sponges. They're super impressionable. And what people don't realize is developmentally, children learn everything. A majority of what they're going to learn, they learn from the ages of birth to about five. So everything that you've said, it it coils. Like that's when their mind, that's when they're, you know, everything is connecting like Mm -hmm. right then and there after that it slows down their nervous system their connectivity everything slows down so what they're learning is zero to five so everything that you say everything that you teach them you know when you lock your doors when someone comes by guess what they've seen that and in their head they affiliate locking the doors with whoever just walked by and that becomes a thing great example this week I passed on a bias that I am just so upset that I did to my child. I have a fear, like a deathly fear of of anything that flies, like bugs, insects. It's horrible. Like I could probably have a car accident or be robbed just by you holding a spider or a roach or something like (laughs) terrified. And so, you know, since I, since I don't want my child to have the same fear, I try and act really brave when I'm around her and I see a bug. Like I try and act like, but inside I'm dying and I'm just like ready to scream and holler somewhere. So, you know, it's, it's summertime and you have the, you know, fruit and you're cutting fruit and you got stuff everywhere. So you get these like fruit flies and you get um, the, you know, just regular fr- flies coming in your house. So I bought a fly swatter. Why did I buy this fly swatter? I bought a fly swatter and she has this song that's on YouTube that she listens to. And it's something, it says something about the scare, the, the mean, scary spider, you know, go away, spider, go away, spider, go away, fly, go away, fly. And now I bought this fly swatter. So now everything is, oh my God, get the fly swatter. I'm scared. Get the, you know, for her. Like she has assimilated this song, mommy buying a fly swatter and not liking flies in the house to, I should be afraid they're going to do something to me. So I am personally dealing with this because this has now become something that is a shock for her, you know? So it's it's little things like that. So the one being aware of it and knowing what we're going to do. And two, now you have to expand what's going on and expand their understanding, you have to expose them to other cultures. You have to expose them to what those biases are that you probably don't even want to be bothered with. Like, oh, I have a bias against this, against bugs, so now I have to go camping. Now I got to put my kid in a situation. So she won't, you know, like, you know now, now mommy has to like be brave and do something that she would never do. So, you know, now it's, let me not, fly swat them. Let me try and get them out the house so they can live and, and be happy, you know? So now it's, I have to change everything that would be normal to me just so that I can force her to not have this like fear that I've helped ingrain. And that's really to me what a bias is. Like you said, it's, it's us reflecting our fear. So how do you get a child to not be afraid of something? Well, one, you don't introduce it to them. And two, you introduce them to other things. You, you work around that. But that also means you have to do work on yourself. And I think that is 
like kids are easier to work with than than the adults. It's the adults who have to now question what they believe. They have to go and do educational things to help them. You know, um, there's a bias that I believe it because it's what I've seen and what I've been taught and what I know to be true. But then there's a bias that says mentally, if it's not true, then I can't conceive anything else being true. So it has to be true. So I'm just going to find things to help make what I believe a reality. And that is scary because now you have to make up things to solidify your own personal thoughts, which is then what becomes dangerous. Or that's all that you see. You know, you only see things through the lens of your bias. The other things that don't support your bias, but you don't, you ignore them or you don't see them, but something that does support your bias, then that's, that's the only thing you see and it reinforces it. Exactly. Exactly. And so I think trying to help children to be culturally sound and, and to, to not have those biases, you have to have exposure. That's one. Exposure is, is one of the biggest things. Um, I work for a family. They're German. And my daughter goes to work with me. So she is now around the children. She eats some of the things that they eat culturally, uh, which she would never do before. But because she's around them and kids like to experiment with what other kids are doing and do what they do, she'll try new things that she would never try with me at home. You know, she's learning a new language because there's a language barrier, but kids always learn how to work around the language barrier, but she's actually learning. And, you know, now I'll hear her say some words in German with them. And she's really excited when, like, she says something and they're like, oh, you know, she said blah, 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 blah. And, you know, so then she feels accepted. And I think that that's a really big thing. And outside of exposure, you want to take them places that they wouldn't normally go or that is not somewhere that's just where you you and your family hang out. So we've been to Hong Kong. She's two and a half. We've gone on a plane. We've gone to Hong Kong. She's been to Bali. She's been on planes probably since she was six months old. We travel all the time and I'm not stopping anytime soon. You know, even with COVID, I'll slow down, but we're still going <laughs> to go places and do things because I do want her to be exposed. I want her to understand like there's so much to life and there's so many different cultures that are not just what we do at home. And to have that exposure is really great. That's probably and like honestly the best thing you could do. I remember as a child, my mother would do, my mother was very big on, and I think that's why I'm so accepting of so many people. My mother was very big on introducing to yourself to someone new at least once or twice a week. That was her thing. Like, I would come home from school and she would say, did you meet anybody new at school today? Did you introduce yourself to someone? What's something you learned about one of your friends? You know, and mm. I thought that that was like the weirdest thing. Like, what do you care about my friends for? Like, you, you know, you, so... I was always known, and even now, um, on social media, people from when I went to grammar school, they would say, for my birthday, they would post things, happy birthday, and they would give a little story. And and it would always be these people that would say, Kim was the first person that said hi to me when I started going to the church. Kim was the first person that I met after my dad died, and we moved to this area. And I didn't realize, but my mom made me this person 
Kim was the yeah. first person who really reached out to me and wanted to work with me, you know, in the influencer internet Instagram space. I'm just supporting what you're saying because you're, it's still it's still you till this day. Yeah. It's funny because it, you know it, it is. I'm thinking about it while we were talking about what we what our topic was going to be, and we didn't really do an outline like you know normally. We just said we were just going to go and talk, and I'm just thinking about this is a way that you can help children. Um, my first friend in kindergarten, I remember her. Her name was Tara. And she was actually blind. Her whole family was blind. Her siblings, her mom, her dad. And I remember at our kindergarten graduation, they came with their seeing eye dog. And she didn't have friends because everybody knew she was different. And when I went home and I told my mom about her, my mom said, well, you should be her friend. She didn't care that I was black. She didn't care that we were from different places and I could see and she couldn't. You know, she didn't care that I couldn't read Braille. You know, we didn't care about any of that. We just knew that we were friends and that, you know, Tara was my friend and she was blind, but she was my friend first, not, she wasn't blind Tara. She was my friend Tara who happened to be blind. And mm -hmm. I think that when you hear children talk, what they mention first is how they look at that person. And if they're viewing that person in a way that they shouldn't, that's when you have the opportunity to fix that so you know if you have a child they come home they come home oh you know i met this girl today and you know she's from california but she was nice no it should be the other way she is nice she was a nice girl from california because that's where the bias started right there now you've made a bias that child has a bias that somehow california is not right or people in California is not right. And then it goes on throughout their lives. Mm -hmm. Oh, California had a forest fire. That whole whole state just cut them off from the U.S. You know, I've heard people say that. And it's like, well, what's wrong with the state of California? You know, um, tell me. I was going to say that people have sometimes the silliest biases. Sometimes, sometimes they, you know, of course, they're, this is a very serious topic, but sometimes... It is very silly. And like, like you said before, it, we pass it on to each other. Right. And it's, you know, I would even say that mm -hmm. from peer to peer, we can pass it on to each other. So, you know, teaching your children to be aware of their biases and not being, you know, controlled and, and through their language, not projecting, like, you know, seeing people just through the, you know, their biases. You know, yeah. I think it not only impacts your child, it also impacts everyone your child is going to interact with their peers throughout life. And it's not, it's, it's about, a, you know, when we talk about culture, there's, there's a lot of things, right? There's the surface thing that we all talk about, like, yes, go over to the families, you know, try to be friends with everyone, encourage them to be friends with everyone. And then I would seek out those people that are your friends already to, you know, go over the house and, you know, have their food and, and, you know, and, and I would even encourage your kids, like, let's say you have a Caucasian family and you're going over to a, a black family or an Indian family or, in, or any other different culture, encourage them to ask questions, right? Kids are really good about asking questions and being open because they don't, 
necessarily have that like filter on exactly okay what's appropriate what's not appropriate and yeah they might they might ask a question in a way that's not you know the most respectful way to ask but then there's an opportunity to you know to teach them okay well this is you know this is how you could ask better and, and answer those questions right and i would even like when your child's asking questions or coming up from school and they're saying something like really listen deeply and you ask questions to really understand what they're really trying to ask because sometimes you know we can misinterpret what they're asking and go off on something that they're not really asking about right and and culture goes deeper than you know just the foods and the holidays and the and the the physical like you know, artifacts, you know, people's values, right? How people value, you know, things like education, right? What people do in their free time for recreation, yeah. right? Their religion, you know, their, their health, their belief about healthcare, you know, it can go a lot deeper. And depending on the age of your child and the questions that they're asking, you can really expose them in, in a, a concrete, because I want to give the listeners some, you know, concrete things to do. You know, maybe you're in a place where there are no people of color or no other. It's just you and your one culture in a rural town and there's no one else around. There is, there, there's probably some kind of festival or something in some in proximity that you can go and experience culture on a lot of different levels. Even you as a parent or as an adult, there's, if there's not a festival or people around, there's, there's definitely a Facebook group. <laughs> some got a group where you can kind Absolutely. of get into the culture and you have a better understanding yourself. If you don't understand to have some of those conversations with your child when they're asking questions, right? Yeah. Totally. You have to be intentional. It has to be an intentional thing. It's not just going to fall into your lap and fall out the sky. It has to be intentional. My employer and I, we had a conversation and she's like, well, what can I do? And I was like, you're already doing it. You hired a black nanny. You know, they're already being exposed to, you know, they came from Germany. They're in America. It's a different culture. You hired a black nanny who brought her child to work. I cook for them you know, so they experience my culture. I expose them to different things. So they experience other things. We may sometimes listen to books and literacy is huge. You have no idea. Like a lot of people don't get it. And they're just like, I don't want my child to watch TV. I don't want my child. But if you find on PBS, a great docuseries that talks about animals um, I mean, I've seen them do, PBS does like great, amazing things. I've seen them do a docuseries on animals from different continents and different, you know, places and just exposing them, you know, these are the animals that you'll find in Australia. And then you can take, you can make your own field trip. Let's go on a field trip to Australia mm-hmm. from home. Mm-hmm. Let's, mm-hmm. the animals that we found, now you turn it into a week-long schooling the animals mm-hmm. that we thought we found let's let's write pictures let's draw pictures of a koala and a kangaroo and you know a wombat okay now let's go online and look these animals up let's find out things about them where do they live who takes care of them let's find out about the australian animal reserve well what is a reserve like you have just explained to them about australia now in their head they're like 
I want to go to Australia. I want to meet someone from Australia and ask them, have they ever seen a kangaroo? I want like, that's how kids think. Mm -hmm. So no one can ever tell them anything horrible about Australia because right now in their head, they have about 10 cool facts that they can tell you about Australia and they will shoot it down. Don't ever talk about Australia because they have koalas <laughs> and they have kangaroos and they have like, that's, I mean, literally kids will, they will tell you like, don't you ever, <laughs> like, you know, and that is, that's the kind of child that is culturally sound and understands because they say i have facts about this place i have facts about these people i have facts about these things and if you don't come to me with a fact then i can't believe what you're saying mm. and that's what helps them to base their decisions and i tell people all the time i tell parents i tell nannies all the time children are impressionable and there's no such thing as a person with common sense. Common sense is taught. It's something that is learned. It's something that you have to instill in them so that they understand. And the only way you can instill it is by education, is by putting them in situations where they have to figure things out on their own and not do everything for them. It's, it's letting them reach a limit to where they ask you for help. So when you have a child that has common sense, it's because you have done the work. When you have a child that is just, not everyone can be a leader. You know, I get it. There has to be some followers to balance it out. But when we're talking about children that have, have gotten over this bias thing of just like believing everything they hear, these are, these are the children that are leaders, whether you want to admit it or not, whether you want to label it or not, these are children that can lead. Why? Because they understand how to explain something to someone. And that's what a leader is. And, and I think also, too, they understand how to empathize with a variety of people. Right. And yeah. they they can they can connect with and they, they they can connect with the different individual people. And, you know, and I, and I think especially when we talk about people in leadership positions like people's cultures, they bring with them. It is a part of them. They bring it with them, you know, and, and to work, you know, they bring it with them, you know, at home, you know, in, in public, like in and, you know, that's, and that's a good thing. And a leader may not understand why an employee is doing something if they don't understand the culture, right? They don't, you know, they may not understand that this person's culture is a lot more laid back than the American culture that we have been growing in this of hustle and bustle and work, 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 keep going, going, going. Like, no, like, well, like they, now, a lot of other cultures value just like slow down and enjoy, like enjoy life, take more likely to maybe take those vacations where maybe if someone who is only knows an American culture will not understand, like, well, why does that person need a vacation so much? Like, why can't they just work, work, work? Like, like I need them, and but not seeing it from, you know, their side that like they, 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 they they're valuing time with their family, you know, they're, they value, you know, no time off more than what maybe some other people. And I think that's, 
I think that's a really healthy thing to do. Um, and not everyone's like that. Some people are going to want to work, 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 work. And I think, you know, a leader, you know, at least a good leader anyways, you know, they hire people, they, they get to know people for who they really are during the interview process um, and really push the questions towards understanding who that person is, what their values are, what they care about. And they accept the person for who they are and their values, accept them to their company for, for not only what, you know, they can do for the company, but what they can do for that person. And, you know, you empathize and you, you maybe put people in different positions depending on what they want and what they care about and what their drives are. And I think sometimes, you know, I've seen it and heard it and I've had to kind of check people on it and kind of question like their own biases. Like, hey, like, are you sure, you know, people will say things about like, and then I don't, and I don't even want to repeat a bias because so I'm so yeah. I'm just gonna say because I don't want someone else listening to like well mm, yeah I no I don't I don't want that so I'm not even gonna repeat what the person said but man these people they don't work as much or they don't such and such and I'm like my first question is like why do you think that's all people like why are you generalizing that's my yeah, first question like I'm trying to get them the, ma- like, the magic word generalizing yeah Yeah. (laughs) like let's unpack this for a second and then you know more more times than not they kind of start to like pull back and they're like oh well 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 you know that's not what I really meant but like and so like and I think that's what we have to do in in the workplace in our Mm -hmm. schools with our children like you know check their body like question it like okay so you know why do you think that right let's unpack that because it's not just with growing our children, it is biases are everywhere. And if we, if we're not checking them and we're not checking each other on them, then it can very easily get out of hand. And then it's not only just words we're taking, it's actions we're taking. And then it becomes more into, then, then we're discriminating. And then it's, you know, right. It's, it's, it's a slippery slope from that something that starts from the subconscious that becomes that spreads and becomes very conscious and oppressive potentially. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And we also have to be very careful. I know we have to wrap up soon, but just, you yeah. know, be careful to pay attention to the children and to what they say. I think that's the most mm-hmm. important thing that I can say, put them in a situation where they can be around other cultures, whether it's like taking them to festivals, maybe having a potluck, and having people bring different mm-hmm. things from their family that's their family's favorite food and or you know from their their culture or whatever if it's you know people from different places i used to have a meetup group a, a parenting and nanny meetup group and we would do potlucks at different people's houses and we would switch you know and i know there's so much going on right now we go into people's homes and stuff like that so you can't really do it but when everything starts opening back up it you know you feel a little bit more safe meetup.com is amazing if you've never been on there you should go on there anytime as a nanny i've had to travel and move you know i move a lot because of work so when i would go to a new state i may not know anyone there and i would go on meetup.com and 
I like to golf. I would find a club of women that golf. They would have like anything you could think of. You speak French, but you haven't spoken it in a long time. And you want to go to a club that just speaks French, immersion stuff, anything that you can think of, just wanting to go out, you can find it. And there's plenty of like children's play groups, plenty of groups that you can do on there where you get to meet other people, especially if like you're in a situation like Mr. Chaz said, where there's not too much that you can do in your area. If you're a parent and you're hiring a nanny, be intentional. Hire someone who doesn't have the same cultural background as you to expose mm-hmm. the children to, to something new. Or if you have a nanny, have your nanny when when they have play dates, intentionally set up play dates with people from different cultures and different avenues of, of life so that your children are exposed to other things. And then that's once you have that exposure there, you're not only teaching them, but you're catching what their biases are when you have those after conversations. The conversations are key. You have to talk yeah. to your children because yeah. children will tell you what they're thinking and what they're learning. Um if you talk to them, if you sit down and just watch a child play, you're, you'll know everything that happened to them in the day. You'll know everything that their, their pretend play is the key to everything in life. That's why children have play therapy. They go to a therapist and a therapist just watches them play and gives them crayons and watches them draw because that's what, that's how they communicate. They haven't gotten the skills to do I what say, we do. I say it's the window play is the window to the to a child's mind and how they yeah. and how they process everything. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. It's there's so getting on the floor with them playing, those are really all key things to to do and to to do with them to help them, but definitely help them process everything that they're learning and everything that you want them to learn. And then address anything that you see that is not appropriate. And then that's, I think, the key to getting to what, what you want closer to a culturally unbiased child. Thank you. Thank you so much, you two. I, I just cannot thank you enough for sharing. Um, I just really, I appreciated the way that you brought up the concept of finding opportunities in everyday life for your children and for the kids you're caring for to be exposed to different cultures to sort of unearth in a very organic way, whatever biases they may already be sort of holding on to or kind of dealing with without even knowing it. And I love the idea as well that you mentioned of creating intentional opportunities for them to be exposed to different cultures and to people from different backgrounds and ultimately kind of looking for opportunities and creating opportunities for that child to be challenged and to be learning from a different uh, perspective, uh, to unlearn bias, but also to sort of understand bias and to understand, you know, what role they play in it. And one of the things that I thought was really cool that you guys mentioned was that when we create these opportunities for children and we broaden their perspective of all of these different sort of walks of life and the beauty of diversity that comes from different ways of thinking, we inadvertently and and in this way kind of intentionally are creating leaders. We are creating leaders out of these children because leaders are people who seek knowledge. And some of the things that you mentioned, like creating a virtual field trip, Kimberly, that you said, you know, having the kids go on these 
sort of field trips where you come up with, you know, maybe you find recipes mm-hmm. from a specific community and you find animals from a specific community and you kind of create this whole lesson for them around the day where even their play is, you know, centered around trying to understand this different community. I think, again, what we're showing and teaching these kids is how to seek knowledge and how to seek a deeper understanding. And that in and of itself is absolutely one of the greatest characteristics of excellent leadership is leaders that are aware of the fact that they don't know everything, but that are, you know, hearts and minds open to actively seeking that. And I think you guys just gave us some really practical, incredible tips for how to work on that with our nanny kids and how to really shape a culturally sound and competent child. So thank you so much for your time. Thank yeah. you for having us. It was a yeah, fun conversation. I love this topic, as you can see. It's one of the yeah. one of the things that I, you know, I love. Um, I've worked with so many different cultures, and it's from, it was even great and eye opening for me because I learned so much. And you know, I think we don't question sometimes what people do in their life. We just right. make a, an assumption and say, "Oh, well, they don't know any better." But really, it's a cultural thing, and if we don't ask, we don't know. So. I'm happy that we got to talk about this topic. So thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. And I hope we can uh, come back for more. Yes, we would love to have you back. Yeah, and to Mm -hmm. our listeners, keep your ears peeled. You can find our podcast uh, anywhere that you can find podcasts, whether that's iTunes or Stitcher, um, Spotify. You'll be able to find Adventure Nannies on air and keep your eyes field and your ears open we're definitely going to be having some more opportunities to hear from these amazing guests so thank you so much nanny kim on the go and mr chaz um really quickly before we finalize this though i would love to throw out some social media handles where we can follow you sure um well i'm nanny kim on the go across the board you can find me on instagram twitter and facebook at Nanny Kim on the go. And I also have on Facebook a, a parent and a nanny group. So I, I'm a really big fan of trying to bridge the gap between nannies and parents mm-hmm. and just be able to work together for the kids that we love. So the name of the group, and it's a public group, is so you can be you'll be able to find it, but it's called the Parent and Nanny Culture Community. So I love that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's we have fun. We we do a lot of different things and have conversations, and it's really great community. Everyone is is super active, and and we just started a couple of months ago, but we have a little bit over four hundred people. So come and join us, and um, we love to see you. Perfect. I am Mr. Chaz on Instagram. That's Mr. and that's Chaz with two Z's. Um, M R C H A Z Z on Instagram on TikTok. I am. Tick Teach Talk. It's spelled T I C K Teach and Talk T O K. And I also have a, I do, you know, consulting, community, all that stuff through www.patreon.com forward slash Mr. Chaz. Again, that's Chaz with two Z's. And I am super excited. Um, Danielle mentioned it earlier, but I really got to plug this. July 13th, I'm starting an interactive podcast on Get Vocal. Um, it's an, you can download the app. It's, you spell it G-E-T-V-O-K-L, Get Vocal. And you can find me. My name currently right now in this moment is Chaz. But by the time you hear it, it might be changed to Mr. Chaz. So just 
you know, find me there. I'm going to be on every Monday, seven o'clock and as a featured content creator. So definitely find me there. There's also going to be some, uh, some other parenting, nannying kind of thing, content stuff there that you guys might like, but definitely come to see me and talk to me and grab a seat. I love to see you. I talk to you, answer any questions you have. I think I can solve any problem. Um, yes. So yes. go ahead and test me. Test me. Yes. <laughs> oh, and, and before we go, we we can't forget our own show. We have. Oh Chaz, yeah, Mr. Chaz and I. <laughs> we totally forgot, but you can find us on Instagram every other Friday. Um, so it's usually, I think, the first and the third Friday of the month, and we have a chat. Uh, the the Kim and chat the Chaz and Kim way. It's usually on my Instagram, which is already, I said, at Nanny Kim on the go. So um, if you come on there, we do a, a lot of conversations, just kind of like tonight, where we talk to parents and nannies um, and just give some advice. People can ask us questions and we, we go live for about an hour. It always ends up running over because we have so many people come and ask questions, but we try and answer all of them. So you can always look us up on my page on at nannykimonthego.com on IG. So Nanny Kim on the go. Wonderful. Thank you both so much again for your time. And to our listeners, um, please go check out these two incredible educators and all of the wonderful resources that they have to share with you. And we look forward to hearing more from them at some point in the very near future. So thank you so much again for your time. Thank, thank you. you. All right. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. For more, visit us at adventurenannies.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. To send us love letters, questions, or ideas for future episodes, email us at podcast at adventurenannies.com. Bye. Bye.